Hello and namaste guys. I am Dr. Anushruti and I am back with an amazing episode. You have seen, we are, you know, we are just love. We have this love to talk about physiotherapy, physical therapy, physiotherapists. But what does it take to be a good physical therapist? What does it take to be a professional physical therapist? And once you become a professional physical therapist, how does, what does it take to actually act professionally, to actually work professionally and to actually earn professionally? So to clear all these doubts and answer all these questions, I have someone very special with me today. Today on board, I have Dr. Ray Gorman, who is a physical therapist and helps coaches and rehab professionals get their back by building a badass remote program session. Well, why are we waiting for? Let's just directly speak to him. Hello, Dr. Ray. How are you? Anushruti, how are you doing? Great to meet you and great to be on your podcast. Thanks for having me. Thank you so much. Well, once you are here, how would I miss this chance to ask one simple question, but yet very important. What does it take to become a professional physical therapist? Like, whom do you consider as a professional physical therapist? What are the attributes that makes a you know, rehab professional, actually professional. Yeah, I, I, I kind of think professionalism happens on a spectrum with these traits of skills that we acquire over time. Um, so my background really kind of started in customer service. And um, I learned a lot, you know, being from Las Vegas, Nevada and working in hotels and understanding what customer service was. Uh, and then over time, I acquired this skill set of strength and conditioning uh, when I was in college and, and really started to lean into that and always knew that I wanted to bring that into my career as a physical therapist. So there was kind of my next skill set. And then I went to PT school and I learned the, the clinical skill set. And I think what kind of happens is we get stuck with learning all of the, the hard skills, right? Like, how do I write a program? How do I, um, how do I use a technique? How do I, you know, go through research? But what really will elevate any professional is the mastery of the soft skills. So how do I connect with my client? How do I get them to buy into the process? How do I get them to understand that setbacks are going to happen? And ultimately, how do I deliver that with, with confidence in my process as a physical therapist and as a professional that allows them to lean on me as a guide in the process and not a decision maker? I think that's, that's really huge. Absolutely. And uh, what do you think is that one thing the rehab industry is actually lacking or something that you would want the rehab industry to improve? in terms of a doctor, in terms of a physical therapist? Yeah, I, I think that the one thing that it's lacking is more efficient ways to manage clients, which allows a, a therapist, a physio, to not experience burnout. I think we have a really high rate of burnout in the profession because we want to help people. And so we have a really hard time saying no, but the mechanism of which 
physical therapy is typically delivered is in person one-on-one or, or, you know, in some settings there's one to many. I, I am typically an outpatient orthopedic physical therapist specializing in more musculoskeletal rehab um, and, you know, more of the performance realm. So for me, it was understanding that if I wanted to expand out my career, I couldn't just see patient after patient after patient. I had to figure out a way where I could get outcomes that that didn't leave me just significantly drained in energy at the end of the day. I believe so. I mean, uh, all the other health professionals who are listening to this right now would agree with this. Moving yeah. on, Dr. Ray, we have two types of setting. In treatment, in clinical setting, when we have one-to-one session with the patient and the other, which has been uh, arised, which has just arised so much after the onset of coronavirus is tele-rehab. So yeah. what do you think is uh, better for a physical therapist for his profession in today's time? Yeah, so the the process that I teach... Um, <laughs> actually isn't a tele-rehab process. It is a, it is a programming process where we're actually writing a strength and conditioning program that I call a prescriptive exercise program alongside the plan with the client. So the difference being that when I'm doing a tele-rehab session or a telehealth session, um, I still have to directly trade my time for my interaction with with you, right? It would be a setting kind of like this where I'm saying, hey doc, you know, what's going on with you? How can I help? Versus we have this conversation and instead of meeting again, I'm just able to deliver you workouts that you're able to do on your own because you you have this level of independence. You have this level of, of a training IQ, a, a training knowledge where I don't really need to be in person or be directly supervising you. And the only reason why we're typically doing that is because that's how we get paid. So for me and, and the model that I teach, it's not about which one is better necessarily for the professional. It's which one is the most appropriate for the client. I, I don't want to put somebody on a, a virtual program or a virtual plan where there's a low likelihood of success that they're going to get the outcome that I think. So that person, I may recommend all of our sessions be in person until I teach you the skills necessary to be independent and autonomous. Absolutely. I mean, that would be in vain if we just start off with a tele-rehab session and the patient has no idea what is going on. Correct. Moving on, we have heard about marketing, digital marketing. So how much do you feel like marketing plays a role in making a physical therapist famous or reachable to his target uh, target audience or target patient? How does marketing plays a role? Or is it just about having to set up a clinic and then just Oh, wait for the patients. What do you would what would you suggest for it? Yeah, it is it is definitely not just set up a clinic and wait for patients. I think that that is what a lot of people think, right? And I I, I was just having this conversation with one of my clients yesterday, where you know opening a business or opening a clinic doesn't entitle you to patrons. It doesn't entitle you to clients. 
you have to go out and, and earn that client. You have to earn their trust. You have to get them to know you. You have to get them to like you. And then you have to get them to trust you. Um, so I don't know much about becoming famous, but I do know that to acquire clients, I need to know exactly who the person is, what are the things that they're experiencing, what are the feelings and emotions that they're experiencing around that thing, and then how do I tie all that in to my offer, right? So for example, my, my avatar is physical therapists who are kind of burnt out, who feel like they're underpaid, who are maybe commuting to work an hour each way, who are working 10 to 12 hour days, seeing 20 to 30 patients. I know what that feels like. So I can speak to those problems. And if you've ever been injured, you know, let's say you're a, a power lifter and you've ever been injured hurting your low back. Well, power lifting is your thing. So it sucks if your back hurts when you deadlift. It sucks if your back hurts when you back squat. It sucks if your shoulder hurts when you bench press. So tie in the message of, does your shoulder hurt when you bench press and you feel like it's limiting your performance in powerlifting? Would you like a process that allows you to both train in the gym, get stronger and perform at your peak ability? I've got a solution for you. That kind of ties in what's the problem the person has, how are they feeling, what's the outcome they want, and how can I help them? So marketing is more about the, the right message to the right person. Absolutely. Also, we have heard about funding, investments, capital, yeah. like the young physios, the physios who are listening to us right now, watching this episode through various platforms from various parts of the world, aspiring doctors mm -hmm. in the rehab profession. You know, what they struggle at is funding, yeah. capital. They, we do have a lot of, uh, uh, you know, physical therapists who have just uh, like mind-blowing skills, great knowledge, but what they lack is funding. So yeah. how does, you know, uh, your company or you help them out in this? And also, what would be your suggestion to them? Yeah, um, we, we can create a strategy for whatever your financial capital limitation is. Um, my first clinic that I started actually had almost no overhead right? I had pitched myself to a gym and said, look, like all I need is some space where you're not going to be working. I will help your members to make sure that if they get hurt or if they're nagging, they have nagging aches and pains with training, I will help and make sure that we can create a plan that keeps them doing your gym's programming so that they don't quit. So the payment for me was actually being a value add to the facility. My, my capital investment was my business licensing, my insurance, right? Like just mal general malpractice insurance um, and a $50 treatment table that I bought from a colleague of mine who no longer used it. So what I think a lot of people do is they're in, they're in PT school, they're in chiropractic school, and their school makes them do a business plan, right? And the business plan is built around 
what their what they know the rehab experience to be like, which is typically your general outpatient facility, which can take upwards of $200,000 in capital to get started, right? So you've got all this equipment, you've got five, six tables, you need to make payroll, you've got to pay, you know, 3,500 to five grand in rent. And that could be the case if that's the kind of clinic that you want to run. But for a lot of people, it's like, find a gym or facility that already has the things that you need make a deal with them and maybe your rent is three to five hundred dollars a month that's such you know i believe everyone is going to share this piece specifically from this episode yeah. to let them know that bro you do not need to worry about funding <laughs> you still have a lot of ways to start ahead with yeah well uh you know i would really like to know personally as well how you know what is your way of helping out uh, with the clients you have the topic, the theme today's topic that helping professionals become professional, you know, let them earn freely, have the freedom of earning. So how do you make this happen? Like, I really want to know about this system. Yeah. So the, the, the model that I, I teach is called the retention programming model, and it is meant to diversify the client management process between an in-person management model and a digital management model. And the big difference is, you know, in person, the conversation is having is happening uh, synchronously. So there's direct feedback, we're making changes and tweaks. When we go to the digital route, which is something that I call a prescriptive exercise program, the only difference is the communication is happening asynchronously. So you're leaving some feedback, and then I'm going in at a later time, I'm deciphering that feedback and making a change for the next week or for the next two weeks, whatever my programming block is. So one of the things that I've noticed in the industry is there's a lot of people helping cash PTs or cash you know, chiropractors or personal trainers, coaches with the business side, but they're not giving them any client management model. And so oftentimes when people come to me, they're like, I don't, I don't know how to make my experience repeatable. I don't know how to make sure that my outcomes, you know, are consistent. And what I find is they just don't have a system of management. So I'm kind of coming into this saying, well, look, let me, let me give you this all in one that includes, you know, how do you structure your assessment to stand out? from traditional physical therapy. How do you work your assessment into the program that's gonna be online so it doesn't take you an hour to do it per week, it takes you 10 minutes? How do you pitch to the client? How do you propose or recommend the plan of care in a way that there's a likelihood that they say yes to paying you cash instead of using their insurance? How do you then transition them when they're done with their in-person care to beyond and get them back to sport and then ultimately maybe continue programming for them, you know, for, for nine months to a year, if that's what the client needs. Absolutely. I agree with this. And most importantly, it is once you have studied so hard, so much for such a long period of time. And then when you do not earn with the freedom of earning, I believe it's the most, most you know, heart-wrenching thing. But uh, 
thanks to people like you, Dr. Ray, that uh, we still have this hope for the aspiring doctors, the future physical therapists to have the freedom of earning. Moving on, last but not the least, Dr. Ray, what would be your uh, <clears throat> biggest piece of advice to the young doctors who are really struggling, struggling really hard to have this freedom of earning and to become professional in this uh, line? Yeah, um, the, the risk isn't as scary as you think. So if you're going to go earn for somebody else, there's a good chance that that person is making three to four, maybe even five X what you are being paid. So the quickest conversion is by saying, well, look, if, if all I need to do, if I have this skill set that is literally worth five X what I'm being paid, all I need to do is figure out how to sell and how to market, how to attract clients, how to connect with them, and how to ask for, hey, are you ready to work together at the right time? You already learned how to do the skill of physical therapy, treatment, strength and conditioning, programming, whatever that is. You're capable of learning other skills. You just need to be willing to be uncomfortable. And I think a lot of people are generally uncomfortable when we start to ask for money or when you start to put yourself online, but you'll get over that right? Just like you were uncomfortable when you started working with your first patient, when you did your first practical, when you walked into PT school on the first day, you adapted and you got better at those things. So, you know, you don't need to fall or settle for a low paying job offer because you think you need experience to start. You can actually fund that experience through your skill set. I think that's the biggest lesson. Well, that is surely going to be very fruitful for everyone, every physio, every chiro, every uh, aspiring doctor, professional yeah. listening to this episode. Well, with this, we have come to an end of today's episode. Thank you so much, Dr. Ray, for taking out time from your schedule and speak to my audience. I really hope you enjoyed it and I am looking forward to work with you once again. And I believe that everyone, every physio, every other doctor is surely going to get connect with you and take your advice and suggestion for their work. Thank you so much once again, Dr. Ray. Yes, Dr. Anishruti, thank you for having me. Appreciate it. Thank you so much. Well, with this, this is your reminder to straighten your back, have a glass of water and move. And also take care of your throat because today's episode was me having a bad throat so take care guys we'll see you in the next episode till then goodbye take care